to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week. We've had weekend dub. We've had midweek dub. So that's why we're coming to you a little later in the week than we would have liked. But the two games on Wednesday, they were definitely worth the wait. So obviously we'll be talking about them. We'll be talking about the weekend we just saw and plenty of other things because the dub always delivers when it comes to talking points. So before we crack into all of that chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have me, Marissa Lordanic, Angel Christian Wilkes, and Sam Lewis. Anna Harrington is off traversing the courts of Melbourne Park, uh, working the tennis. So we hope she's having fun doing that and not talking dub with us but I assume she'll be back very very shortly but girlies there was like I said lots to like from this round really really big round so let's kick it off with some you love to see it Angela what did you love to see this weekend or this week I love to see Paige Zoys is that correct I feel like it should be Paige Zwa this got it had a bit of zwa about it. I feel it 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 was excellent. She scored her debut goal um, for, in the A League Women on I can't remember what day it is. The days they don't they, it doesn't matter. Anyway, at Amy Park um, in Victory's one all draw against Perth. Um, it was yep, like I said, her debut goal, and it was just it was so much fun. Um, she just kind of ripped it from the left hand side and it soared in past Sarah Langman. Um, friend of the pod Tom reckons that Sarah Langman probably had a bit of sun in her eyes and there was a mix up there but still the shot was excellent it was immaculate um and it was fantastic to see so yes um I love to see that I was sat just behind the goal with all of the black tarpaulin that's been put out <laughs> anyways moving on we don't love to see that but we love to see um yep the, the kids scoring goals and I also just like a side note I just love that this victory midfield this game I mean the performance but um yeah they've got some great youngsters coming through this season and that's been a delight to watch so yeah you love to see it from one youngster to another my you love to see it was Caitlin Carriage's goal uh for Melbourne City against Adelaide certified banger sensational 95th minute just real cherry on the top kind of areas perfect curling shot um it feels like Melbourne, all the clubs in Melbourne seem to be producing some really good youngsters or, you know, showcasing some really good youngsters at the moment and Carriage is absolutely in amongst that conversation. So her goal, it was one of those ones where you watch it and you just kind of go, four, that was good. That was like, I enjoyed watching that. That was really, really good fun. So I loved to see Caitlin Carriage's goal. But Sam, what did you love to see this week? We've sort of got a, a hat trick of youngster goals in now. You love to see it this week. My you love to see it is uh, Western Sydney Wanderers getting their first win in 364 days. Wouldn't that have been a terrible um, moment to strike going an entire year without winning a single game in the dub? But they prevented it. They prevented the terrible curse and they won their first game 2-0 against Melbourne City. Uh, the first win for Cat Smith as the head coach of the Wanderers as well. Um, and with the first goal scored by young Matilda's captain, Sheridan Gallagher. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode. But it was really um, a really important win and also just a really good game from Western Sydney. They absolutely pressed the hell out of Melbourne City. They didn't allow them to do what they're good at. 
Um, and I think they really deserve the win. So Western Sydney finally getting their season off uh, with a win. You'll have to see it. We d- it's good fun. The dub always produces a result like this where you just kind of, unless, of course, you're a Melbourne City fan in this um, respect, you kind of just sit back and laugh and you're like, this is the good shit. This is why I follow this league. Like, please continue to to dish this up to me. But um, that is the game we will start today's conversation with, I reckon. But a uh, quick recap of the other results we've had since we last spoke. We had Melbourne Victory and Perth Glory drawing 1-1. There was an absolutely bananas game in the Hunter. We had Sydney scoring three goals in seven minutes. Then the Jets pegged one back to make it four goals in 10 minutes. And Sydney ended up winning 4-2 on the day, which just cocoa bananas. I have no other word for it. Western United won 1-0 over Wellington. Canberra beat Adelaide 2-0. The result we were just talking about, Western Sydney beating Melbourne City 2-0. Western United last night beat Sydney FC 2-0 and Melbourne City won 3-0 over Adelaide. But like I said, that Western Sydney-Melbourne City game is where we're going to start today's conversation because it was funny, but it was obviously so needed and fantastic for the Wanderers. Is this the start of their season? Are we putting too much on one win? But is this kind of the beginning of good things to come for the Wanderers? I think so. I think this is an important um, confidence moment for the team. It's an important moment that makes them realise that they are capable of performing against teams that look better on paper and have a better track record than them throughout the course of this season as well. Like it's it's ninety minutes and anything can happen in them. Um, yeah, this was a this was a great game. It also saw the debut of their new striker. Uh, Serena Bolden from the Philippines Um, and I thought that she was a really really important addition even though she didn't get on the score sheet she finally gives them someone to aim for she gives them someone up front who is a recognized striker who knows how to move who's uh, who's fit uh, who's fast and who is able to pull defenders out of shape in ways that brings her teammates into the conversation so I think her inclusion was really important, particularly in in creating opportunities for her teammates to be able to score goals. And I also think it was a really good effort, probably one of the best um, efforts that I've seen so far from Western Sydney in terms of their midfield. I thought their midfield was fantastic and they absolutely knew who the biggest threats uh, from Melbourne City were going to be and they didn't allow them to do anything close to what they are capable of doing. And on the other hand, you know, you have to also think about the fact that Melbourne City were, number one, tired, number two, under, under-resourced, under I suppose, with Amina Ekic out, um, Kote Rojas hasn't returned yet, um, and you've got Hannah Wilkinson who's still kind of yeah, getting into the swing of things. So they, they were really um, impotent. They didn't really create very many chances at all. They were uncharacteristically sloppy in terms of their passing. Uh, they just didn't have very much penetration. Rihanna Policina was absolutely nowhere, which is to Western Sydney's credit, because obviously they know that she's the creative force of that midfield as well. They had three shots on target the entire game, Melbourne City, which is quite extraordinary. It's a, a really good, um, I think it's a really, it's a really good testament to not just the midfield of Western Sydney, but also the defense. Claire Hunt continues to be really, really impressive. Um, as she anchors that backline, as she captains this team as well. So, yeah, I, it was a it was a really important game 
for this squad of players. It's a really important game for Cat Smith as well, even though, well, not even though, but oh my god, the uh, the the positioning of the pitch side microphones. Like, I think they need to be probably reconsidering that going forward because you just heard her screaming the entire time, uh, which was uh, sometimes a little bit terrifying. But um, yeah, it was a it was a good it was a good win. It was a physical win by the Wanderers. It was the kind of win that had, it felt like it had a lot of emotion to it, which is uh, what all this sort of stuff is about. So yeah, good on him. Um, and I think yeah, it it was not uh what's the word yeah very deserved win is what I'm trying to say there um and the stats are super interesting because City were able to like maintain the bulk of possession I think it was like 65 percent and Wanderers only had 35 percent but they had such a clear game plan it was obviously just cut it off in the middle they stayed compact um and what also impressed me about Gallagher's goal as well is that it was her pressure that resulted in the turnover and the play that then she was able to score from um god bless yeah. her though she did get she did she get a bit argy bargy there as, as she did. we know she can do she also got a yellow card in that game <laughs> but um i think yeah that was it and it was also enjoyable to watch um yeah, the Wanderers attacking play. They had more shots than City, which is unusual. It wasn't a case of them just like having two great opportunities and able being able to capitalise on them. Um, they were creating so much. And like you said, Serena Bolden had a massive, um, was, yeah, a big part of that. Um, yeah, I think, I, and like, did I not say that Western Sydney are not that shit? I feel like either I'm doing takes okay or I'm manifesting things I like one of the two but because <laughs> it does feel like they've been building up to this and I just like to I like I'm a big fan of Olivia Price as well I think that um mm. she's this, very good just that and, and their midfield in general um I think Harrison has really elevated things in terms of being able to yeah create and um find those like passes that will get them closer to the goal and create more opportunities, um, which they didn't really have last season so much, but they do have players, like they already have players like Marlia Steinmetz, who's got a bit of, what's the, like, bull, I, you were talking yesterday about Stacey Papadopoulos. Mongrel? Bulldog, bulldog energy, a mongrel, bit of the mongrel. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think it, they were able to harness that mongrel energy really well in this game. And I think, yeah, it's it's really fun to see a game play out and see – like and the plan like be pulled off successfully I think that's kind of mm. uh yeah really interesting um and a credit to Kat Smith um in being able to yeah do that against the city side um yeah there's a big double thumbs up I am I think it could shift things for Wanderers in quite a big way let's see if that take carries off I don't hmm, we'll see we'll see but yeah good times the fun thing for them is they've got Western United this weekend. So um, we're going to see. Two, if... two mongrel Western teams. Let's I go. I was going to say the mongrel City, derby. City have lost. Yes. City have lost to Western like teams from the West. And I'm just like, is that classist? Are they underestimating the girls from Western Sydney, the girls from Western Melbourne? They're going in thinking that they're going to be able to control the game, that they're going to be able to do their thing. Um, and, yeah. Both of 
So anyway, that's I love that. Theory. That's just an interesting thing. Um, but that's gonna be such a fun game. Oh my god, because like they've both got a bit of nip about them. Um, mm. oh, the Western girly derby. Yeah, <laughs> the Western girly derby. The Western mongrel derby. You heard it here first, but um. <laughs> Yeah, Liv Price's goal, banger, could have very easily been a you love to see it. It was absolutely sensational. Mm. And just, got Serena Bolden really did add, bit, like, hit the crossbar at least twice from memory. And it's just like, yep. this is what they needed. And she is delivering and this is good. Sam, I can't remember. I don't have a segue, but someone you know made a joke about Bolden. So this is my setup for you to share that joke. Yes, shout out to friend of the pod, Sarah, who I play futsal with on Mondays. She came up with an excellent pun, which is going to be the title of this episode, The Bolden and the Beautiful. I heard it and I squealed with delight. It's fantastic. And I hope that it's it's the, like, it's the case for Wanderers going forward. This is something that they have struggled with, not just this season, but last season as well in terms of scoring goals. So I hope bringing in finally recognised striker is actually going to help um, propel them forward and to make them the kind of club that they deserve to be. They're a big club. They're meant to be a big club. They've got access to a huge player pool. They have these incredible facilities and we want the Sydney Derby to be cracking. We want this Western Sydney team to be able to bring the fire and bring the fight and bring the mongrel. So let's see how it goes with, uh, yes, starting off with the bold and the beautiful. Well done, Sarah. I had a, a, a worse pun. No. I just, uh, that Western Sydney were emboldened to win on the weekend. Ah. That sorry guys, I just had to get that out there. Otherwise, it would sit on me. <laughs> if you can't share that here, where can you share that? I ask you. Like, what are we even it's like doing? Like an here? A group for bad puns. Yeah. <laughs> it is like honestly. Um, but let's move on from one Western girly team to another Western girly team. The Western United Sydney FC game. It was very heavily kind of pumped up and hyped with excellent reason. Both teams won on the weekend. Both teams have been doing really well this season. And everyone had kind of said that maybe this is where we learn something new about Western United. We get like a real indication of where they're at. And it would appear what we have learned is that they are legit. They are really, truly in this season to win it. So let's talk about this game. I reckon let's start with a little bit of chat about Sydney because not to discredit Western United, I thought they played really, really well, but Sydney looked off. It uh, Something yeah. about Caroline Springs midweek does not sit well with them. So please diagnose Sydney FC for us, Sam. They, I have not seen Sydney play so lethargically as what they did against Western. It was really odd, um, particularly coming off the back of that huge win over Newcastle and how rapidly they came out of the blocks in that game, scoring those three goals in seven minutes. This was just a completely different thing. It looked like they were really tired. Maybe it was the travel. Um, maybe it was the, um, the, the sort of uh, the turnover of games quite quickly back to back. Uh, maybe it's the seemingly sort of injuries that are going on at Sydney FC as well. There were at least three players who had their legs strapped with bandages. I don't really know what's going on in terms of that, those soft tissue injuries, but yeah, it, they just did. They looked completely off the pace. Um, the players who you would usually expect to 
add the spark to Sydney's attack, like a Sarah Hunter, Princess Abini, uh, Mackenzie Hawksby. They they were just flat. They were suffocated by Western. That's the other thing. Like Western United were really good, and they knew exactly who to target. I don't I don't remember seeing a game from Sarah Hunter that was as quiet as what this one was this season. Um, uh, the same as Madison Haley. I mean, Madison Haley was, um, she was un- uncharacteristically off target a couple times. Like you would expect her to have some, to, to take some of the chances that she had on any other day, but she just wasn't able to do it this time around. And the two goals to Hannah Keane from Western, they were sort of like those kinds of like crappy little moments where everybody sort of switches off or makes a little bit of an error one way or this, like this way or that. And Kane was just able to sort of put a foot through it. And, and both goals sort of looked the same as well. Same area of the net, same area of the box where the shot was taken. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a really off game from Sydney FC. And hopefully they're able to learn pretty quickly from it because um, Western don't look like they're going to be slowing down anytime soon. So if they want to continue their, um, their sort of reign as premiers, they need to be able to catch up to this sort of thing. Yeah, it was... Interesting. So I went to Caroline Springs for both games, not to brag. Yeah, I've been to Caroline Springs many occasion, and I had the shabappi both times. It was delicious. Um, and $5 beers as well. Just got to mention that. Get it out of the way. Um, but the Western Wellington game was really interesting because it was not great to watch. It was very frustrating. Mm. I think Wellington were quite scrappy and got away with a bit um but also like western like hannah Keane had so many opportunities she did great in that game in terms of holding up the ball and did really try to take her chances but just wasn't putting them away so i feel like that was the warm-up for her to just be like right this game i'm gonna nail it i'm just gonna get it done and she did and it was fantastic but also yeah in terms of um the energy from Western United, if they were like contested balls that kind of thing they were on it they were the first the ball mm. um and sydney just weren't um and I'm kind of interested um Marissa I'm so sorry so we were talking about Sydney they have two new strikers so they've signed Tegan Collister who's been in and around the A-League women and then also Rolla Butterweer I hope I've said that properly Butterweer Butterweer and I thought that you'd said she'd come from the league in Nepal but you were saying Nepal as this the phrasing of MPL that I am trying to popularize <laughs> and I didn't pick up on it and so I was reading I was like it said she was born in the US so it's so weird that she'd be in the like the the Nepalese league like what's going on there and then I was like oh right yes okay. oh my god got there anyway um I find it interesting you, you just didn't what? question me like at the time <laughs> Why would I? I trust what you say. Like, I'm like, well, if Marissa says that she played in Nepal, she played in Nepal. What what else have you heard about the Nepalese Women's League that would, like, even justify this? (laughs) They've just got so many Australians and, like, (laughs) anyway. Sorry, that's so funny. Anyway, um... So she, she hasn't played in Nepal. She's um, coming from the New South Wales MPL or the New South Wales Nipple. And, um, yeah, <laughs> has had great success there. But the thing for me is, like, they've signed two strikers. And I'm like, is that what you need? Because it already felt like their stocks were pretty full with strikers when they had Seamson before Seamson has made her mystery move that we still don't 
really know much about. Um, for me, it's more like defensive midfielders because I feel like Shay Holman's kind of been thrown in the deep end a little bit. And I was thinking about it is she, like, Sam, you might be able to talk to this, but is she the successor to Taylor Ray? Do you think in this setup mm. or is, um, because I think Teresa Polias and Taylor Ray, quite similar players. And they just, I think had the kind of Polias in particular, like are just able to screen things really well and, and shield the defense, even if yeah. Sydney are playing like higher up the pitch. Whereas like we're seeing them get caught out um, and like in the Newcastle game, like players are able to get around them if they've got enough speed and, and create chances. So I'm, I'm not, it's all Holman's fault I really want to emphasize that but I do wonder if like that is part of it because they do have very attacking minded midfielders with the likes of Hawksby um and Hunter even yeah I don't know um yeah no it's a good question and like I think it's important to like contextualize that by talking about the kind of football that Ante Juric likes to play like historically he loves to play with a very classic number six, a classic defensive midfielder, a Teresa Polias, a Taylor Ray, uh, a Claire Wheeler, you know, players who can do that screening role, um, but who in contrast perhaps to Shay Holman are much more experienced um, and a little bit more, they have a little bit more of the fight in them, I think. Like Shay Holman is still quite young, just emerged sort of from New South Wales um, Academy, you know, in the MPL and is still learning the ropes from someone who was still learning the ropes from Teresa Polias, you know? So it's, it's a lot to be thrown into. Um, and I think coming into a dynamic where you've got sort of players around you who um, fought like ahead of you, you know, you've got, you've got your Sarah Hunter, your Mackenzie Hawksby um, who love to bomb forward, who love to attack. And then behind you, you've got a Nat Tobin who has been there for a while, but you've also got it sort of a new collection of defenders who are still trying to figure it out in addition to a new goalkeeper because Jada Wyman is still injured. So yeah, being thrown into that sort of dynamic where people still feel like they're trying to figure each other out, I think is quite difficult. And that's sort of why it maybe felt like in previous seasons, both Polias and Ray um, were more comfortable in that kind of role because they knew exactly they had they'd been there for a long time. They'd been training together for years and years, um, and they'd been able to um, work off one another and complement complement one another for several seasons back to back. So Holman coming in um, at, at this stage, I mean, I think it is just like she's just new and young and still figuring it out. But I reckon in the same way that we saw Mackenzie Hawksby take off after her first really good season with Sydney FC. Um, I think we'll see the same with Shay Holman. I see the same kinds of defensive midfield principles that Polias and Ray tend to have, but just not quite the physicality yet or the reading of the game yet. But that comes with time. And that's the whole reason that this league exists is so players like her can get a run. Yeah, she's 16. Like, oh, my goodness, so young. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, so, it, and, and, yeah, that knowledge takes a while to develop but yeah that was just kind of if I if I was Sydney FC I would be trying to nab a defensive midfielder but I also don't know where I would find one I'm sure they they don't grow on trees anyway um particularly not classic ones like that anymore I want a defensive midfielder tree (laughs) I I just think for the good of Australian football someone should be making a defensive midfielder tree. 
like start cross pollinating, you know, like a lemon tree with something else and give us a like an Elise Kellen we'll see what happens. Yeah, I just think I I'm not a scientist, but I just think um that that's something that we should do. Um, switching focus a little bit to Western United because I absolutely think they deserve some discussion as well. Seven from seven. Um, everything looks good. Hannah Keane has been real bit of a, a revelation, I suppose. Up top is now joint leader of the Golden Boot standings. The midfield I thought was really good and really did um or stopped Sydney playing their game. Um defensively they've been really good. Hillary Bill's fantastic. The centre back pairing is awesome. Um, the fullbacks were really, really good. I thought both Amy Medwin and Stacey Papadopoulos absolutely did not yeah. allow Courtney Vine and Princess Abini to play their game. And I remember saying to Angela that um, Spacey, Spacey, Stacey Papadopoulos was basically doing the Polydorum blueprint for how to annoy the shit out of Princess Abini and make her just <laughs> play poorly. Just like, again, that angry, yeah. mongrel, nippy. I was like, I've seen this film before, loved it thought it was hilarious but that was the vibe I got from the the Papadopoulos v Abini kind of thing so it everything about Western over you know we're now almost halfway through a season has been really good and things appear to only be getting better so the question I wanted to ask was they've just signed Angie Beard midweek where does she fit into this team that is that's Mm. the kind of thing that's now been playing on my mind because everything seems to be going really well for Western. Yes, we know they're going to lose uh, a Jess McDonald. Um, I think that's the only player they lose from memory. But, like, then you have someone who is and Chloe, very good at maybe? the A-League Women's Eleven And Chloe, and Chloe, yes, you're right. Um, so these players will obviously be going back to the US. You've just signed Angie Beard, who knows how to play at an A-League Women's Level. But where does she actually fit into this team, if anyone has any guesstimations? Well, when Angie Beard played at NPL level, she played as a winger, no? Like, I know that she's played as a fullback at A-League women's level, but she's capable of bombing forward and scoring goals in a team very similar to Western United. And in fact, I think with some of those players as well at Calder, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if she comes in and um, sort of has a renaissance in that kind of role. I think it's great that she's coming back and she's going to be linking up with a bunch of these players and um bringing some of the sort of spark to the to Melbourne teams you know like I I love Angie Beard I think everyone loves Angie Beard and I mean I think also it's probably quite strategic on her part in the sense that she's got her eyes on the Women's World Cup um and there were reports that Alan Stajic the uh, head coach of the Philippines was at the Western United game probably with Angie in the stand I'm not sure um keeping an eye on things so yeah so she's probably uh, decided that this is the the place where she wants to be. She wants to acclimatise here over the next couple of months, um, link up with the Philippines team who are going to be doing some training camps uh, in the in the preparation for the tournament. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see her. Um, I don't really care where she plays. She can probably play everywhere because she's an absolute weapon. Um, yeah, I just think it's going to be awesome and it's going to be even harder for opposition teams to be able to deal with, I think. You know, like it's the, the players who have impressed me from – Western United haven't necessarily been the big stars. Like Jess McDonald has been excellent. Of course she has, but equally I've been so impressed with Emma Robers. I've been so impressed with uh, Amy Medwin, with Papadopoulos, with like all these players who were just like MPL players, you know, and what a cool advertisement for the quality of the MPL and what you can actually do. If you think about, 
these expansion clubs strategically and you keep a core group of players together over the course of several seasons and then bump them up with the addition of a couple of big superstars to draw fans. This is exactly the, this is the blueprint that future expansion sides like Mariners, MacArthur, whoever else need to be looking to in order to actually make an impact rather than doing a, you know, doing a fizzer with a, you know, what sort of like what Wellington has done or arguably what Wanderers has done as well um, and not actually doing very much with what you've got. And just to get on my soapbox a little bit, I think what's very cool about this kind of like Calder Western partnership is Calder United is to, from what I most recently heard, they're still like an all women's and girls club as well. So it's, Mm. it's definitely, I think it's been a case of like, okay, so we're going to work with what is already working. And, um, like, I'm not saying that you need to be, a female focus club to be good obviously but I think that that's just like a an added kind of bonus for me to see um their inclusion in into a, a already exist like as an expansion club coming from that kind of space and not just kind of being like we're gonna do it the the way that western you know you know what I mean anyway um so yeah it's been I think it's a really interesting blueprint that they've set up um in terms of like Angie Beard coming in um there's like a lot of I think there's a lot of versatility in this squad so I'm not sure if she'll be utilized in a way like um for example like Medwin I think you were mentioning Marissa Teo said on broadcast that she's like been so versatile at MPL level that she hasn't specialized and that's been a disadvantage for her so if she was to move out of that left back role um and somewhere else on the pitch or if they'll just yeah throw Angie Beard in on the wing um but yeah, they haven't, aside from that, like, midfield trio of the two Torantos and then Emma Rovers, there has been, like, little tweaks and variations here and there. And I think the fact that they were able to win this game without Chloe Legazzo playing as well is just, like, a testament to that kind of depth across the squad. They're, like, quite adaptable. So, um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, Beard could, be, could end up doing a lot of things. Like, um, I can't remember the substitution that exact substitution in the Western game, but they had Alana Cern push into the defence and then had a different centre-back come on. So that could be another thing if Alana Cern is, like, pushing or, like, doing that more. Uh, the possibilities are endless. So um, I don't – yeah, I don't think she'll necessarily displace anyone who's already there. I feel like it's going to be um, – aside – yeah, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. That does not answer any questions. Uh, that was not a, a, a solid answer. But, um, yeah, it, I, she can go anywhere. It'll be fine. She'll be good. Yeah, yeah nah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, nah, yeah. I'm going to kickstart the rondo with one last question about Western United because I think it doesn't need to be particularly in-depth. But they've beaten Sydney now. Do you see anyone else stopping Western United? I mean, we saw Western Sydney beat Melbourne City. It's the thing about this crazy league, this chaos league. Anyone can beat anyone. Um, look, I, I, I do think that there's going to be a team that beats them, and I think it's going to be a team in the top three. I think, it, I think it will probably be Sydney FC because I think they will have learned from this, and this game was particularly poor from them. I think they can play much better, and I think they can expose Western United in ways that they weren't able to this first time around. So 
yeah, I reckon Sydney can do it. I don't just say that as a Sydney fan. I actually do reckon they can do it. But at the same time, I am liking the kind of slow surge of Canberra. I'm liking what I'm seeing from victory. Like this is the great thing about this competition, right? It's like actually there are a bunch of really good teams who on their day, they can pretty much do anything. So I don't know. I'm just going to have to wait with bated breath. Oh, no. I think it's going to be a really fucky result and it's going to be like Jets or Canberra. Like not to disparage (laughs) either of those teams, but I feel like it's going to be an unexpected um, team that's going to get like a toe poke of a goal or something. Um, Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't think they're going to go unbeaten, but I I don't know if the maths has already been done, but they're going to be in finals, surely. Um, But yeah. But we are like about halfway through the season now, so there is still plenty of season for someone to get a fucky result, which is my new favourite adjective, um, (laughs) against Western United. Sorry, Mickey Mouse. Um, But let's move on to some other Rondo questions. Um, We've spoken a lot about Adelaide. Uh, They have now lost for the third week in a row. It's three straight games they've lost. They have not scored a single goal in those three games. Are they on the fritz? What is happening with this Reds team that we all, you know, felt quite positively about, not just in the preseason, but in the opening few rounds of the season? It's just a bit of a, what the, what's going on? Kind of just like, meh. Like that game against Melbourne City was so bad. (laughs) That first half was so bad. And I just like looking back at the stats, they had Adelaide had one shot on target, one shot on target. And they have all of these players. They have the reigning golden boot player in Fiona Wirtz. They have Chelsea Dorber, who is the highest goal scorer for Adelaide in their history. Like, what's going on fam what are you doing it's it's yeah I don't know I don't know what the fritz means but I feel like that is what they are on if if that's encapsulates the vibe of them at the moment it's just like something's just not just not working and maybe like we have sort of seen this kind of thing in the past I remember was it a season or two ago there was the same kind of fritzy vibe from Brisbane Raw where we were like, You're, y'all are a good team. You've got good players and yet you're just not, it's just not not happening. It's not clicking. It's not gelling. It's not all those kinds of synonyms. So uh, it, it might just be, I think we mentioned last episode that it might just take one of those absolutely insane games where Adelaide come out and they thump, I don't know, Newcastle 10-0 for them to remind themselves of what, scoring a goal feels like and then it's just going to sort of open the floodgates and they'll be all good um yeah I I have no idea what's going on it's, it's very strange yeah the Jimmies seem rustled I don't like when they're playing as well I feel like that city game they I felt very proud of myself I was watching the game of Tom I was like Adelaide not pressing and he's like yep and I was like wow I picked up on something that was happening in the game I'm smart and deserving of <laughs> the stuff that I do um anyway but yeah they're just like they seem quite hesitant to like it's not that they're not attacking but then when they do attack they faff around and like don't Mm. put their foot through it and it just seems like yeah they're overthinking it It, it's 
like they're in their own heads a little bit and I just mm. I, I'm not sure like maybe it could be diagnosed with something like they've had some injury outs and they haven't had you know a huge amount of consistency in the squad but at the same time I'm like there's still been a core of players that have been there every week um and like part of that core are players who've been there a while and have played together quite a lot, like Holmes and Wurtz, for example. So it's like, is it a chemistry thing? I don't know. I still feel like in, in patches they're playing um, exciting football, but it's, yeah, they, it just feels like they're not really taking it to op- to opposition teams. And now they've had three losses on the trot. It's a bit like, how do you get out of that slump? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. That'd be the tricky thing for being, yeah, for Adrian Stenter right now. But um, I'm also kind of like, how long do we keep asking this question? And at what point do we accept that they might just not be very good? Not very good this season. Mm. But the other good thing about this season being extended is that they do actually have, I think, time to dig their way out of this mathematically I think they they can still make finals if they turn things around and if they get their goal difference up um because they like they should they they have all the as you said Angela they have all the bones of what should be a really good team and we saw it last season we saw exactly how they can play when everything is kind of in harmony but it just seems like it's all screeching and terrible titanic flute at the moment so yeah (laughs) to wait and see if they're able to fix it that whole segment was an all-timer for just bizarre word choices and I loved every <laughs> single minute of it. Um, um, but, yeah, basically my, my thought process is this is usually the time if we were still in a 14-round season where the teams that are going to kick on start kicking on. So uh, Adelaide have the, the added benefit of if they do get on a run, they have a time to actually turn that into something useful. So... We will see how it goes. Or, just speaking as a procrastinator, do we think the longer season just means that those teams wait longer before they start? They're like, oh, oh no, I've got to do it this round, otherwise it's all over. Do you know what I mean? Didn't Perth do that? I feel like Perth did that a couple of years ago where they left it to like the last maybe four games of the season and then they just went bang, 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 bang. And like their whole their whole motivation just seemed to be fucking up other teams' chances of getting mm-hmm. into finals because they couldn't make it. So maybe that's going to be the vibe of Adelaide this season. They'll get to the point where they're like, okay, we can't make finals, but let's ruin everyone else's day. I would respect that. As a procrastinator, I have no choice but to respect it, to be honest. Um, But let's move along. Another question. Um, Really shitty setup for this question. Uh, Riley Baisden, I'm pretty sure it has been confirmed she's done her knee. Uh, The conspiracy theorist in me is like, you know who else did their knee at Amy Park during that same day? Nani for the Melbourne Victory men's team. So the Amy Park pitch, I'm looking at you as an ACL hater. You seem a little <laughs> sus in this moment. Um, watch yourself. But obviously it's shit news for Riley Basin. We, we, we wish her a, a very smooth, speedy recovery. I'm pretty sure, you know, in this kind of first half of the season, we've definitely spoken about her as being kind of the player for Perth. She seemed to be the one that was scoring goals, making things happen, the kind of player that could 
give them results. So what impact will her absence have on this Perth Glory team? It's going to be huge, I reckon. She not only is the leading goal scorer for Perth Glory at the moment, five goals, but she offers an outlet that was really, really necessary for Perth because she was able to balance with Sierra Hinson. And now there's going to be so much more pressure on Hinson to try and do more than what she was doing beforehand. She was already, I think, the one of the highest assist um, like assistants of the of the season so far, and largely that's because of her chemistry with with Bazin. So, like, what what do you what do you do now? Do you just have a plug and play kind of replacement? Do you get uh, more minutes for Alana Yanchevsky? Like, how do you how do you fill that hole? Not just in terms of scoring goals, but in terms of how quick she was in terms of her movement off the ball, in terms of her pressing from the front, in terms of all the stuff that a good striker tends to do. Um, I I would hope that Alex Parkas is going to be shopping around quite rapidly in this current window to try and sign somebody really quickly. Um, Cause yeah, she, I, I don't really see how Perth are able to, aspire to finals aspire to the top five if you if you aren't able to pretty much find someone who's able to do what she does because I just there's really no one else in terms of the depth of the squad to to be able to plug plug in and replace her on the other hand it it could potentially galvanize Perth I like I feel like we sort Mm -hmm. of saw that when Kayla Morrison did her ACL that it really like it gave victory something to push for even though the circumstances were not always ideal and things were a bit out of their control um and I do feel like they do it feels like they're kind of building into a bit more momentum they had a weird start to the season but players like Hannah Lowry I feel like a on the up um so I'm not I don't think it's the be all and end all but um yeah in terms of just like the maths it, it, you can't deny it. it's going to be like have a massive impact so mm. yeah it will be interesting to see what kind of move um they make alexa parkas at the the nursery looking at the striker tree being like who's available i, I don't know <laughs> uh, acl's fucking shit how many is that now to conclude this season that's so. There's Baysden. We've got the well, they've got the leg break to Ekic, which doesn't count. In the dub, um, I think it's only been Mariel two. Hecker. Yeah. In the dub, so I'm pretty two. sure it's only been two, which is obviously two more than any of us wanted. Um, mm. but you know, it reflects the uh, global trends, which have been disgusting. But uh, we're not going to get into ACL chat today. That will be a dedicated episode where I basically just like cuss out ACLs. I am an anterior cruciate ligament hater first and a human second. And I will <laughs> I will never stop being an anterior cruciate ligament hater. Um, one last question I wanted to ask before we move on to other things was uh, the league announced their like uh, player and manager of the month. And for the dub, we had Cote Rojas winning player of the month and Mark Tocaso, the Western United gaffer winning uh, the nod as well. Any objections to these two awards? No. <laughs> no. 
that's it. I, and it goes to show as well how important Kote Rojas is going to be coming back to Melbourne City. She was sensational. And she like she is the kind of player who, who makes Melbourne City play the way that Melbourne City should be playing. And you could tell as soon as she left that there was something missing. So I'm really excited for her to come back. I think she's been extraordinary for them. So And Mark Tocasso, like, this is, yeah, like I don't think anyone would argue that what he has done with this team in such a short space of time has been incredible. So, yeah, fully deserved both of them. I, I, I'm i not saying that Kota Rojas isn't deserving, but I've forgotten every single other player that competes in this league. So I'm like, I don't really have anything <laughs> to, to counter with there. Um, yeah. Mark Tocasso. Did you know the dub is actually made up of one player? It's one just player. a couple hundred Maria Jose Rojas's running around <laughs> in every single position in every single team. Um, Wouldn't that be rad? I would actually love to watch that. That's a that's a question. What would you rather fight? A league full of Maria Rojas's or <laughs> whatever the opposite of a league full of Maria Jose Rojas's <laughs> Um, look, I, when I put that question in the rundown, I had a very good feeling that the answer would be no, those two deserve their nods, but I put it in anyway because sometimes that's what you got to do. Um, let's move along. Let's move on to a quick boot. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll have seen that my uh, bone of choice this season, the uh, the bone with which I will simply not part um, has been the inequality between the broadcasts of A-League men's and A-League women's games. Um, I tweeted about a week or so ago that I thought the, the highlights shows were really, really fantastic. Both of the leagues produce these 24-minute highlights packages, so you get every goal from every game. It's narrated by the voices of 10 and Paramount+. Plus. It's really, really good. But it was just really funny that at the end of this, there was obviously a ladder to show what all of these results meant in context of the ladder. And um, there was a very schmick-looking graphic for the men's league and a screen recording of the Keep Up website for the women's league. And I was like, this is what people talk about when they're saying, you know, things might be equal, but not really. Because there is a very obvious uh, discrepancy in the production quality for this. Um, And over the weekend while I was watching games, obviously there were some men's games on, some women's games on. And again, it was just that reminder that Every game in both of these leagues is technically broadcast. You can watch each of these games. But, for example, the women have no TV presence, which we were all kind of iffy about at the start of the season, but now that we're in it, it just feels worse and worse. Um, The men have two slots on television. No, they're not on the primary channels, but they're on television versus no TV presence. And it's just like, come on. Um... And same deal, again, with just the production values of each of these games. There are panel shows and halftime analysis for the men's games. We get holding screens and countdown clocks for the women's games. And it's just like, how can you look at this and tell me that things are actually being done equally, that you are treating both of these competitions with the same level of respect and treating them both like professional competitions? So... Um, I'm going to continue standing on this soapbox. I'm going to keep complaining about it because it's not good enough. And yeah. 
the really annoying thing is there's that nothing that I have said is particularly new. We have been whinging rightly about the kind of lack of equality in broadcasting for these leagues forever. Um, it's just a real shame that after the kind of uh, hope and optimism, I suppose, that the Paramount Plus Channel 10 deal offered to us, um, we're really back to the men's game looks professional and the women's game is being packaged up at a state league level, um, barring dub zone, which shockingly looks and sounds and is professional and fun and entertaining. But one show versus every game of the round is a pretty big difference. So, um, yeah, it's a boot to just one of the perennial problems of the dub. I hate it. Thanks. Here, here. <laughs> but let's finish with some happier things because there's lots of actual happy things to talk about. So a how good, please, the floor is open. So my how good, I'm going to tie this episode very neatly back to the very beginning uh, with the, uh, the the game against Western, between Western Sydney and Melbourne City and the goal to Sheridan Gallagher, but particularly her celebration. Now, anyone who watched the under-20s Women's World Cup last year in Costa Rica knows that one of the most memeable moments that came out of that tournament was the young Matildas celebrating their first ever goal in that tournament, uh, which was led by Sheridan Gallagher picking up the football and pretending to take a selfie with it. And she did exactly the same thing when she scored her goal against Melbourne City. Everyone ran over to the field. She picked up the ball. Everyone gathered around and they posed. They did the fingers. They did the whole thing. It was hilarious. I loved it. So, yeah, uh, just these these chicks are just, like, they're awesome. I love this vibe. I love the culture of all of these players. And I love the fact that they can just, like, have this kind of fun in these kinds of moments. You know, this is what football is all about. So how good. Commitment to the bit. How good. Yeah. How <laughs> good. Angela, any how goods? I I mean, aside from $5 Great Northerns at Caroline Springs, because that's definitely a how good for me. Um, I... What I, I liked the vibes after the game when Western beat Sydney. What was that song, Marissa? It was Men Go at West by the Village People. Go West. <laughs> What's Village work? People? It's, are village not, people are not are Men at Work. <laughs> yes. Hang on. Village I'm people angry. are the extremely camp band that are responsible for things like YMCA and men at work yeah, are responsible I, I had that for and... land down under. That no, what's it called? Down under. Fuck. I know what I'm talking about. Huh. I also just love the idea that one of the men at work uh, is the guy who wears the big uh, Native American headdress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that now and I'm like, hmm, he would have to get a different <laughs> costume these days. Anyway, um, well, I appreciated that song, even if I didn't know who it was by. It was, they, they blasted that very loudly twice and it was big. Like, I I like it, but it kind of reminded me when they play the, the club songs at the AFLW after games, you know, like having a little anthem is fun. 
I think that that was cute. So that's <laughs> that's my how good. Poorly executed, but here we are. <laughs> Again, commitment to the bit. Picking a song literally called Go West. No choice but to love it. Um, I shall wrap us up with uh, another commitment to the bit. Uh, it was a big how good and a big congratulations to Princess Abini, who joined the 100 Club of the A-League Women's. Uh, obviously not the result she was hoping for in the milestone game, but she had the armband. Um, there was a really cute video of uh, past and present teammates, you know, wishing her well and just hyping her up, and she absolutely deserves it. But um, obviously the 100 games on their own, a very impressive achievement, but her 100-game milestone, that little bit more impressive. So she was the first player born in the 2000s to hit the 100 games, which makes me feel oh very old. Yes, I just felt my whole body just like <laughs> just morphing into a hearing aid. Just like, oh, God. <laughs> I, I didn't feel that old, but yes, I did feel old. Um, so, yeah, in addition to being the only player born in the 2000s to have hit the hundo, she's the youngest woman. She overtook Steph Catley, who hit the milestone at 23. She was 22 years old, 11 months, one week, and four days yesterday. So a child, basically. Um, and she obviously joins Teresa Polias as only the second player or the second woman for Sydney FC to reach the 100-game milestone. So it's just – I just love – 100 gamers i just think it's such a massive achievement which if you've listened to this podcast before you know so i'm not gonna start my spiel again but it's a huge congratulations to princess abini and i think the really cool thing is that it to me it's almost a direction a sign of the direction the league is going in that these youngsters are hitting the hundo and able to hit the hundo at such young ages because they're playing more games they're starting quite young that experience so it's really really exciting that all of this seems to be a positive sign for the dub as a whole but i think that's us done for today cup of nations has just been announced but we will talk about that when we have squads and things like that but yay tilly's football in new south wales but we'll get over it we'll be fine um obviously check out espn.com.au and the espn app for all of your women's football needs we are on spotify apple and google the usual pod spots wherever you do listen to us give us a like and a subscribe um if you really like what we're doing if you want to have a chat to us we are at the far post pod on all social media but until next time slayers